0: Warhammer fantasy news, hobby, lore, and more. Welcome to the War Games Orchard with Nathan and GJ. There's no place like Prague for the holidays. Welcome to the War Games Orchard. My name is Nathan Stone, and today we have a very special Christmas episode of The Orchard. It's become a bit of a tradition for me to do a Christmas story episode. And. I love reading stories. I love telling stories. I love everything about stories, quite frankly. So these episodes are always lots of fun. And for this year's Christmas special, I've decided to go to the wonderful Realm of Chaos Slaves to Darkness book. And in that book, I've chosen three stories. All three of these stories take place during the siege of Prague. So they're not particularly happy stories, but they are interesting. They show us a little bit more of the, the weirdness of chaos, the suffering that the city of Prague goes through, and gives us very first-hand perspectives on one of the most interesting battles in Warhammer fantasy history. So without further ado, let's take a Christmas trip to Prague during the Great War Against Chaos. More water! More water! The cry came up from every quarter of the burning city, but there was no more water. The wells had run dry, the baths and fountains were buried as buildings collapsed in great heaps of ash and flame sparks and flames ran roof to gable and a pile of smoke obscured the stars those too young too old or too badly wounded to take their place defending the walls desperately turned to their neighbor for some sign of hope but all hope had gone with the last of the water the strong wind carried the flames across the ramparts fanning the fires and turning prague into a furnace Riding that same wind came the mocking cries of the besieging Chaos Army, the bestial laughter of the beastmen, the shrill giggling of demons, and the coarse bellow of some unimaginable monstrosity, unrestrained and heinous in the hour of its triumph. From the tall lookout tower on the north wall, Ivan Talikoff, captain of the north gate, watched his city burn. The silversmith street is almost gone now he said, not lifting his grey eyes from the blaze below. I'm sorry Ivan, said Vladimir, who shared the night watch. He placed his heavy gloved hand, reassuringly, on Ivan's shoulder. They had been friends before the war, when Ivan was the silversmith's youngest son, and Vladimir one of the four apprentices. The war against chaos had changed everything. Ivan's brothers were dead now. Ivan's father had been crippled three years ago whilst fighting in the hills. He had no apprentices these days. "'What's the use, Vladimir?' Ivan said weakly. He stared over the burning city, his face expressionless and empty. "'They have beaten us, and they know it.' He watched helplessly as the line of flames leapt to the Chandler's Street and danced down Popper's Lane. "'Courage, my friend. Vladimir extorted gently. Only this morning, a rider from the Empire broke their lines. The word is there's an army on the way to relieve us. They'll be here tomorrow or the day after. Tomorrow, whispered Ivan. I've heard the rumors, too. It's on everyone's lips. They say Magnus the Pious himself is leading an Imperial army to save us from chaos. Gives the people something to believe in. I can't believe it anymore, Vladimir. It's all gone. Every drop of belief has been squeezed out of me. Vladimir said nothing. He had seen hope die inside men before. He knew that this was another sort of death. That man can no more live without hope than he can live without a heart. He thought of people he had known when the war started. Ivan's brothers amongst them. All gone now. He thought of Ivan's father crippled and bitter, and his sister, Siesa, lying screaming in the madhouse. Chaos destroyed them before it finally killed them. Suddenly a fireball exploded above the lookout tower and tiny drops of magical flames sputtered onto the slate roof. Vladimir ducked down as the hot burning speckles cascaded down the sides of the slim tower. When he arose he saw that Ivan had not moved and that a drop of fire had struck him on the cheek and left a long dark gash. Another fireball burst to their left and then, with a mighty thundercrack and sulfurous flash, the great north gate of Prague exploded into tiny fragments. The gate, cried Vladimir as he seized the alarm bell and began to toll it with all of his strength. Reinforcements hurried from their stations along the walls. And the fireballs were already falling thickly on the ground behind the ramparts. Already, Vladimir could see casualties below. One man ran hither and thither like a living creature of fire while others chased after him. "'beating at the flames with their cloaks. "'A mighty cry came up from the enemy ranks "'as the forces of chaos surged forward into the gateway. "'Vladimir gave up the bell "'and started as fast as he could for the ladder. "'They're coming!' he said. "'But Ivan was no longer there. "'Where the north gate of Prague had stood, "'there was now only a ragged hole "'wreathed in smoke and swirling darkness. "'Part of the rampart had fallen into the gateway, "'partially blocking it and crushing several defenders.' Their mangled arms and legs protruded from the rubble. Numbed by the blast and shocked by the sudden death of their comrades, the survivors moved like automatons, piling loose stones and timbers on top of the fallen masonry to close the gateway as best they could. But it was too late. From the shadows, a single beastman leapt. It was faster than its fellows thanks to mutated and powerfully muscled legs, enabling it to spring over the rough barrier of fallen masonry whilst those behind struggled to cross it lifted its huge goat head and let out a defiant bellow in its powerful claw-like hands it held a heavy scimitar which it swung in a glittering arc felling two soldiers before they had a chance to move its second bellow was cut short and the beastman suddenly folded in two the deformed body slumped to the ground a black fletched arrow sticking in its thick neck heartened the defenders swiftly formed a shield wall and leveled their spears to meet the inevitable onslaught the rest of the beastmen came all at once scrambling over the rubble and dust picking their way clumsily across debris for once the might of chaos worked in the defender's favor for the destruction of the gate had brought down sufficient wreckage to seriously hamper the creature's attack reduced to a snail's pace by this barrier their impetuous was slowed and the full force of their attack blunted Those of the defenders who carried bows hurried to take up positions on either side of the breach and began to pick off the beastmen as soon as they poured over the mound. Soon the corpses were piled several deep, and those few attackers lucky enough to escape the arrows were quickly slain by the spearmen. A black-fletched arrow found its mark, and a beastman toppled down the heap of dead. It was especially large, bull-headed brute with a third horn which stuck straight out from its forehead. Each spearman braced himself for the next onslaught. Every bowman drew a fresh arrow and sought a target, but no horned heads bobbed above the pile of corpses. For a moment, all fell quiet, and the defenders loosened the grip they had on their weapons. Then it came, a gathering darkness, oily smoke. It oozed through the gate and settled about their feet. Dark tendrils of the stuff thrashed this way and that, and where they touched against a solid surface, They appeared to adhere to it. As if grasped by some titanic forces, the mound of debris and corpses was slowly pushed aside. Tiny streaks of magical energy twisted across the gateway. The defenders drew their weapons again, but there was not a man amongst them who did so without a stricken heart. Very slowly, as if heedless to danger, a dark horseman rode through the gateway and halted. The air was still thick with dark magic, and this darkness seemed to congeal around the rider itself as if he was absorbing it, pulling it back into himself if such a thing were possible. His armor was of black burnished iron, and in his right hand he carried a mighty war-sword, barbed and bright. It seemed to quiver with a malevolent life of its own. The rider craned his head slowly back and forth, until his gaze fell upon the defenders. They could see that his eyes were red and glowed like coals inside the black helmet which bore the unspeakable rune, marking its wearer as a champion of Zeench. The champion of Chaos began to laugh, in a slow and measured fashion. <laughs> <laughs> the sword flew from the champion's grasp, and heads of four of the soldiers were severed in an instant, Their bodies dropped to the ground, spurting crimson blood. The dark horsemen laughed louder, and the sword flew again, running through one man and impaling another that stood behind him. Some men tried to parry the sword with their own weapons, or attempted to fend it off with their shields, but their arms were as the soft limbs of infants compared to the unearthly strength of that chaos blade. One bowman shot an arrow against the rider, only to watch its shaft turned effortlessly aside by the black armor. The hapless archer dropped his bow and ran, but he was too late to escape the black blade which cut him in two. The rest of the defenders fled. The sword glided gently back into the dark horseman's grasp. Its strange sheen seemed to vanish and its inner life appeared to dim. The champion sheathed the Chaos Sword, raised his head and looked slowly about him. There, stood alone, barring his path into Prague, was one man, A tall, pale man, in the uniform of a captain of the gate. One cheek was gashed and dripped with blood. The horseman gazed at him for a moment before he spoke. "'Are you not afraid, Captain?' He said. His voice was light and soft, innocent and strangely compelling. It was an altogether unexpected voice coming as it did from the massive, black-armored champion of Zinch. "'Not anymore,' replied Ivan. He was surprised to hear how coarse and vulgar his own voice sounded compared to that dark horseman. ''Are you not afraid of death?'' asked the champion, now with a note of genuine curiosity. ''Death,'' said Ivan. ''Me, afraid? Or the pal of death for a winter cloak to warm me? The world, too, is under its shadow and becomes quite hot.'' Ivan gestured wildly as if to encompass the burning city. He raised his sword and it seemed a great weight in his hand. Then you are mad, exclaimed the champion, and he seemed pleased to have solved the puzzle. Mad, said Ivan in the same dispassioned voice. Not unless it's madness to prefer death to abomination. He lunged forward and made to strike the chaos champion, but the dark horseman's horse reared away so that Ivan's blade cut empty air. Flames snorted from the horse's nostrils, and his eyes too appeared to glow with hidden fury. The Chaos Champion laughed. <laughs> Fight! screamed Ivan. Fight, you coward! He swung his sword again and again, but as each blow fell, the Dark Horseman skillfully avoided it, pulling his great black charger out of the blade's path. The Chaos Champion laughed again. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan sank to his knees, quaking with fury. The rider drew a long, pale knife, ignoring the chaos sword that had already killed so many, and which, if truth be known, was now too sated with blood to be tempted out from its scabbard. As he did so, another voice rang out the harsh, but refreshingly human voice of Vladimir Run, Ivan, run! cried Vladimir as he stepped from the shadows, swinging his steel sword in a gleaming arc. He threw himself upon the horseman. This time the dark warrior did not step back, for he had been so intent upon Ivan that he had not seen Vladimir creeping up in the darkness. Vladimir's blade bounced from the burnished iron armor with a piercing screech, as if the blade had struck a living thing rather than inanimate metal. The black horse span round as its rider called it tightly to rein kicking out with its great iron-shod hooves and striking Vladimir upon the temple. The watchman's sword slid from his grasp and he fell senseless to the ground. Ivan had been no less surprised by the attack than the Chaos Champion. Now he gripped his sword and leapt to his feet, calling his friend's name as he did so. Vladimir, he screamed. The tears were running down his cheeks. Vladimir lay still and dark blood was seeping from his head. Ivan bounded between his friend's body and the Chaos Champion. The rider still had his long knife in his hands, and now he pointed its blade directly at Ivan. Ivan raised his own sword and prepared to fight. "'Curse you, Chaos Fiend!' he shouted. The champion spurred his horse. Then he checked it suddenly, and pulled the unearthly creature back. "'Farewell, Captain,' he said, and threw the knife with unerring accuracy. With a heavy thump, the blade embedded itself in a broken piece of gate timber. The Chaos Champion laughed softly and turned his horse back through the gate. (laughs) Perhaps we shall meet again? He cried as he disappeared into the swirling darkness. Marcus! Marcus! She cried, her voice shrill with terror. There's someone climbing the wall. He wiped the sweat from his brow with the back of his sleeve and ran over to the window. Last night, when the fireball had torn through the wall, soldiers had rushed to erect a hasty barricade of planks over the blackened gap. They would told the two children to leave, to seek refuge in one of the temples. Then they'd been summoned away to attend to another potential weak spot in the city wall. But Marcus and his sister, Andrea, had nowhere else to go. Their parents were killed when the shrine they were praying in collapsed and buried the entire congregation. So much for religion, they weren't going to seek refuge there. All they possessed, mostly memories, now that Prague was half in ruins and there was little food and water left to anyone, was here in this house. They ventured outside only when they had to, searching for provisions. Since the bottom floor had been blocked in by a fallen roof, the building had been largely ignored by the looters, and in any case, what good were jewels or furs to men dying from starvation or thirst? He put his ear to the barricade and listened. Andrea had keener hearing than he, but if he concentrated hard, he could hear something. A relentless scratching, creaking noise. A noise coming ever closer. We've got to go now, now, Andrea. He grabbed her roughly by the arm and they fled through the door down the corridor. As they reached the top of the stairs, there was a sudden crash of splintering wood from the room behind. Startled, Marcus stumbled in the darkness and tumbled down the steps. Marcus, where are you? cried Andrea. Groping for her brother, her hands finally collided with the handrail and she clambered sobbing down the stairs. Above her, Cold, heavy footsteps echoed across the wooden floorboards. When she reached the bottom, she called out for Marcus, but there was no answer. When her questing foot struck his still body, she knelt down and felt for a pulse. She didn't think he was dead, but she couldn't rouse him. As the heavy-footed intruders started down the steps, she desperately slapped and shook her brother to no avail. She wanted to run away, to hide but she couldn't leave her brother. They were too close, and he was her eyes. Her chest clenched with fear. She climbed to her feet and stood defensively before Marcus's prone form. She heard the armed feet descending the stairs, cross the landing, and stop in front of her. Nothing happened. Andrea's legs were trembling with terror. If you're going to kill me, she pleaded silently, please make it quick. Why didn't it speak? Finally, unable to endure the tension any longer, she reached out. Her hand met armor, a breastplate intricately chased with swirling designs. Why would he let such fine armor become so rusty? She asked herself. The thing stood so still it could have been a statue. She could sense no heartbeat, no breathing, no life. Suddenly, an ice cold hand grasped her wrist and she let out a yelp of terror. Garbled glottal sounds came from her captor's throat. Andrea guessed it was trying to communicate with her, but she couldn't understand what it was trying to say. She tried to twist away, but it held her in a vice-like grip. With her free hand, she tore at its cold fingers and wretched as gobbets of flesh came away under her grasp. Icy realization hit her as she struggled frantically to escape. It's dead. It can't speak because it's dead. Hysterical tears rolled down her cheeks. She was laughing and crying at the same time. A dead man who can't talk and a blind girl who can't see. What a hilarious joke. She was still laughing on the landing when the undead champion smashed its way through the rubble of the ground floor onto the streets of Prague. Every quarter of Prague was alight with a dozen fires and in many places the separate blazes met to form one huge conflagration. Flames leapt easily across the narrow divides between the shingled roofs, so that no sooner was one house alight than its neighbor followed it until whole streets were ablaze. Pillars of sparks climbed into the night air and fell back to kindle fresh fires in other parts of the city. Watchmen handed out thick blankets and brooms for beating the fires. Others supervised the distribution of sacks of sand or pails of urine for dousing the flames. Those few with firefighting experience carried grappling hooks and long poles to demolish burning buildings or pull down sound constructions to create firebreaks. "'By all the gods, we need water!' exclaimed Nikolai, wiping the oily suit from his face." He watched as the seventh house in Silversmith Street came crashing to the ground. Broken timbers still blazed in places, but the old woman and children were already smothering the flames with loose soil. He noticed that his hands were bleeding where he had pulled upon the coarse hemp ropes. Precious little chance of that, replied Andre. Like Nikolai, he was stoutly built, strong, and above medium height. He too was covered in soot and grime. His leather jacket was torn, where a tall headed glass window had fallen over him. He hoisted a heavy iron grappling hook over one shoulder and picked up a spade with the other hand. Saddler's Row next, said Nikolai. They both looked at the sky, their eyes searching for any sign of a change in the wind that might carry sparks to fresh parts of the city. Andre nodded. Wearily, they moved towards the west, leaving the locals to deal with any remnants of fire that remained. Reaching the end of Silversmith Street, they turned past the ruins of the Shrine of Tal, heading north along the Temple's streets. This area had already been gutted the previous night, when a barrage of magic fireballs struck the center of the city. Amongst the rubble, tiny flames of magical discharge still licked at tumbled masonry. As they approached Saddler's Row, the ruins gave way to a closely packed streets with wooden walkways raised above ground level, The overhanging upper stories of the adjacent buildings seemed to poise precariously above their heads. Some of the buildings reached so far over that they met their opposite neighbor and formed an arching roof. In normal times, this was a warren of thieves and rogues, where only the very poorest and most desperate of Prague's people lived. It was one of the oldest and most crowded parts of the city, and one which Andrei and Nikolai would normally have avoided. Tonight the street was deserted, so that Nikolai and Andre marched along in eerie silence. At the end of Sadler's Row, the street gave way to a small crossroads. Here a small crowd had gathered. They were an ugly, bedraggled mob. Many of them were marked by disease or injury. Some bore the scars of the branding iron, marking them as thieves, beggars, and prostitutes. All over the city, the townsfolk were forming groups to help fight the fires, but nowhere had Nikolai seen such a sorry and hopeless band. "'Who there?' called Nikolai as they approached the crowd. "'Have you any buckets or brooms? Is there any sand or soil you might have made a pile of earth at least?' The people, who seemed completely unprepared in every way, remained still and silent as if stunned. The firefighters drew closer, and as they did so, a voice rang out from behind them. They will not help you. Nikolai and Andre turned round to find that only ten paces behind them stood the unmistakable form of a champion of chaos. The champion was huge, fully a head taller than either man. Although the shadows partially hid him, the warrior's armor shone in the firelight, and its reflection seemed to dance over the metal surface, revealing a complex pattern of interwoven decoration, While sparks of light glistened upon enamel details and carefully inlaid jewels. The warrior's helmet enclosed his head completely, but through the dark slits, a tiny glimmer seemed to sparkle with a gem-like intensity. The warrior stepped forward into the full ruddy light of the blazing city. "'They will not help you,' he repeated. His soft voice held a faint trace of the Empire dialect as spoken by its southern nobility. The champion drew his broad, bladed sword from its jewel-encrusted scabbard. As he did so, four other shapes emerged from the shadows. Two of these were beastmen, their bodies thick with dark fur and clad in well-worn chain armor over stained jerkins of leather. One carried a shield upon which was painted a flaming skull, and both hefted long swords, glimmering with firelight. The other two might have been human once, but no more. One seemed to have an extra pair of arms, but it was hard to tell as his whole body was covered with long scarlet fur. The other had the form of a man, but the chitinous shell, claws, and eye stalks of a crab. The crabman shuffled forward with strange clattering. With an unexpected crack, Andre threw his grappling iron at the crabman, striking him between the eyes. The creature emitted a strange inhuman squeal as the hook embedded itself in its carapace. The crabman lunged forward, angrily brandishing heavily clawed arms. There was a brief gurgling scream followed by a crunching noise as it pulled Andre's head from his shoulders and threw it to the ground. Nikolai turned hastily to the crowd, hoping to find allies amongst the townsfolk of Prague, but instead he found only empty eyed and uncaring silence. The Chaos Warrior shook his helmeted head and laughed slowly. <laughs> "'What hope is there for you now?' said the champion. "'No more than these poor folk ever had, "'abandoned, desperately suffering in your proud city of Prague. "'It was they who opened the sewer gates and let us through. "'You see, they have nothing to lose "'because disease and poverty have taken everything that made them human. "'Look into their eyes now.' Nikolai turned and suddenly realized that the crowd had somehow enveloped him as the champion spoke. They were all around him, pressing in on him with their reeking breath and filthy rags. He tried in vain to push them away, but it was no use. Their hands pulled and tore at his clothes and skin, and the fists beat him to the floor next to Andre's body. Before the darkness finally took him, he heard the champion's low laughter and recognized for the first and last time the hatred in the eyes of the poor of Prague. I hope you enjoyed those. They were lots of fun to put together. Great stories, all. From me and GJ here at The Orchard, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We might be taking a little bit of a break next week, but don't worry, there will be fresh Orchard content starting in January. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram or email us at wargamesorchard at gmail.com and don't forget to join us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard. Know ye now, the time of mortals has come to an end.